Wow. How many of you felt that go right up your spine? Amen. Amen. We appreciate it. Eddie, I'm, I love horns. Horns of plenty. Horns of candy. <laughs> and the saxophone. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today. We're finishing up on a series on be thankful. Everyone say be thankful. You know, what always amazed me is, did anybody have to teach you how to be ungrateful? But we've probably all been that at one time or another in our life, haven't we? Haven't we always taken some things for granted? Haven't we always kind of just assumed that some things would be done for us? You know, I, I was thinking about my sister. I used to complain about her all the time because she, she would make my oatmeal in the morning. And, of course, I, I wanted mom to make my oatmeal, but mom worked second shift. And, you know, I was a little guy, and she'd make my oatmeal. And sometimes she put the milk on before she put the sugar on. And I had to instruct her, you didn't do that right. That's not how mom does it. And just not really grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little child, and yet nobody had to teach me how to do that. I learned to be grateful for smooth oatmeal after she put a few lumps in it. You know, sometimes God lets some lumps come our way just to teach us to be grateful. Amen? And so we have to know that having, living with an attitude of gratitude is more than just a cute saying. It's literally a way of life that God wants us to exercise. Today, I want to speak to you about carrying the light of thankfulness. If you would just look at your neighbor and say, carry the light of thankfulness. You know, in relay races, there's a torch, well, a, a stick sometimes that's passed. But at the beginning of the Olympics, they, they pass a torch to different runners to mark the beginning of those Olympics. And literally from the dawning of time, there has been a torch of thankfulness that's been passed from one generation to the other. And if we're not careful and we don't carry that torch of thankfulness to the next generation, we can end up producing a generation that's just not thankful at all. I thought about when Washington became president and when he made his first proclamation for Thanksgiving. I want you to listen to these words. I'm not going to read the whole proclamation. I just want you to hear the words that the first president of the United States made to a nation concerning Thanksgiving. He said, it is the duty of all nations. Everybody say all nations. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. We've come a long way, haven't we? but not necessarily in the right direction. When you look across the sphere and across the world and the, the, the culture in the world today, 
doesn't really acknowledge God. Yet here is Washington saying that it's the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will. Boy, could you imagine a president getting up and saying that today? Y'all need to be obeying the will of God. (laughs) To obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. See, if we don't learn how to keep that type of speech in front of us, we could lose it for our children. If we don't learn how to carry the torch of thankfulness, to carry that light to the next generation, and uh, John and Hannah came today dedicating Gabriel, and what they're literally going to do for this young man is they're going to pass something to him. Their actions, their, their life, the, uh, all of their words, and the entire family will pass something to Gabriel. That's why at an early age we do baby dedications because we're acknowledging God that we can't do this on our own and we don't want to have to navigate this world without you. So we know that you've blessed us with our child and now we offer our child back to you and ask you to direct us in how to lead him and bring him up. It was so important to the pilgrims. And this week, we're coming up on, the, on Thanksgiving. How many of you already got your turkey bought? How many of you boycotting turkeys this year? <laughs> Ham, roast, whatever it is you're, you're getting. I, I've still got to get mine. So. But sometimes what happens is when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we forget what we're celebrating. And we forget the fact that it's supposed to be about being thankful, not about a day of watching football, although I like to watch football, not about a day of just stuffing ourselves and kicking back and relaxing, gathering with family, but being thankful. I thought about when the pilgrims started out, you, you know their story in 1620. They had, England had had one church and it was the church of England, but they still dominated. It was literally against the law for you to go to any other church except the church of England. Some of these people had been imprisoned already for worshiping God in a free manner, in a way that they felt like they wanted to worship God. And so they had fled to Holland and and now they're afraid they're going to lose their, their culture and, and, so they decided to go to a new world. They loaded up on a ship in 1620 called the Mayflower, and they headed toward America. 66 days on that vessel with 102 passengers. Scurvy took place, and people began to die. When they got here, they had been postponed in their sailing date, so they got here just as winter was breaking. It, they got in here, and they got off course, and so they were supposed to be a part of Virginia, and they ended up in the northern part of America, and they had no, well, what, what's the big deal about that? Because there was no governing law. They were outside the jurisdiction of Virginia, and so once they set foot on ground, there would be no law to govern them. Govern them. These men knew it was so important 
that man have a governing law that they wouldn't get off the ship until they had made one. And so they drew up one called the Mayflower Compact. In plain English, this is what part of that compact said. We voyage for the glory of God, the advancement of the Christian faith, and the honor of our king and country. We will start the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. We, whether we like it or not, agree and combine into a civil government for the better organization and perseverance of the colony. We agree to have fair laws, ordinance, acts, constitutions, and people in office for the better of the colony. For this, we promise to submit and obey. I want you to think about it. The first governing document that was put together by men. Now, the governing document that was in Virginia had been put together by England, but this is the first governing document that's put together by free men, and they've imposed this on themselves. And one of the things that they stated in that document is that they had done this for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In other words, we want to acknowledge God. We need to be thankful. Everybody say thankful. Well, if you've been to school, you know how that first winter turned out for them. They had nothing. They started dying and falling off like flies. By the end of that winter, out of the 102 that made the voyage, only 52 were left. Nearly half of them had died. When spring came and the Mayflower started back to England, it would have been easy to have just cut and run, to have said, forget this, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I wasn't expecting all these troubles and trials. I'm going to load my stuff up and head back home where I came from. But how many of you know that you'll never gain new territory if you keep going back where you came from? If you keep going back to your old habits, to your old ways, to your old way of thinking, God, you'll never see God work what he ordained in your life. And so you've got to make up your mind that I'm going to hang on and move forward. They suffered through and see, it wasn't just about them. They remembered why they'd come. They had come because they wanted their children to be able to worship God freely. Do you understand how much of, of, of that dream is a part of us today? When I was a missionary, I was in countries where they had been arrested and put to death for worshiping God. Where they had suffered you couldn't just raise your hands and praise God openly. But something that we have inherited, we take so much for granted at times. I say we. Sometimes we forget where this all started and how we got here and where that freedom came from and those people that had suffered through and had lost so many and had hurt in so many different ways made up their mind, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stake my claim for my children. I am determined that they have a place where they can worship God. And so they stayed 
And by that next November, God had visited them and smiled on them and he had turned the tide for them and they gathered together for three days for an autumn feast with their Indian friends and they thanked God. I hope this Thursday when we gather together with our friends and family that it's not just a mad dash to the table, that the turkey doesn't take precedence over the sun, <laughs> that we don't forget to give thanks for all he has done for us. Some of us will celebrate this Thanksgiving minus a loved one. But do you understand how much you still got to be thankful for? Because you haven't lost them. You just have an assurance that there's coming a Thanksgiving where everyone's coming together. And what a time that's going to be. They remembered to share the light of thankfulness. They took their instructions from the scripture. Psalms 100 verses 2 and 4. Serve. Everybody say serve. <laughs> that's the first word there. Serve. What are you doing? I'm waiting on you to serve me. No, no, the, the first instruction is serve. Look at your neighbor and say, serve. You can't play tennis if somebody doesn't serve. You, you're not going, nobody's going to know about God if someone doesn't serve. So we are to serve the Lord with madness. You'd think by looking at some folks, that's how they serve God. No, serve the Lord with gladness. Smile. Go ahead. It's not that bad. You'll get over that heartburn. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, things that are so simple that we forget and we take for granted and we're not carrying the light of thankfulness. I mean, my goodness, if I walk out of here and the first thing you hear me say, I'll tell you one thing, that music was just entirely too loud today. And that's the longest winded preacher I've ever seen in my life. Who just clapped their hands? <laughs> I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? That, that because how people see us and what they see us do and what they hear us say impacts their life. And so if you walk out of here like you're not happy about being here, nobody's going to want to come with you. But is Chainsaw here? Chainsaw, stand up a second. Chainsaw, came, a few weeks ago, we had, uh, I, at the end of the service, I said, I stopped everybody in their tracks. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And everybody stopped and they turned around and looked. I said, make sure to invite someone to church next Sunday. Chainsaw did. He invited someone to church and that young man came. And when he left, he talked to Chainsaw about what an impact the service had had on him. But if Chainsaw would have looked at him and said, I'd like you to come to church with me, I don't really enjoy it myself, but maybe you'll get something out of it. <laughs> Chances are that guy wouldn't have gone. Or if you walk up to somebody and say, well, you know, a preacher told me to invite somebody to church, so you're welcome to come. Stand up.
people aren't, people are smart. They know when you enjoy serving God. So think about this. David, in all of his trouble, in all of his trials, what did he say? He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. What's David saying? David's saying, man, I've had a rough week. I've been through some stuff. Saul's tried to pin my carcass to the wall twice. I've had an army hunting me down through the wilderness. So you can believe I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. It ought to be something that excites you, something that causes causes you to get a little bit happy. You ever see anybody's team win the Super Bowl? Oh, I'm so happy. No, man, they're flipping over cars. Do not get any ideas in this parking lot either. They, they, they just, you know, they get excited. Why? Because their team won. Can I tell you, our team wins. It's it's. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Doesn't matter whether I'm in tune or not. I've been given a command of God to sing. Everybody say sing. I just can't think of a song at the moment. Okay. Now, you remember? You remember, when, you, you remember when you first got saved, how happy you were? They asked me after I got saved, they said, what's it feel like? I said, man, it feels like I got springs in my feet. Do you realize that's been over 40 years ago? Almost 45 years ago. Well, what happened to you? I still got springs in my feet. I'm still happy. I'm still excited about Jesus. I got up. To testify. I didn't even know what a testify was. I got to testify. You want to testify? And I said, man, I feel like Tony the Tiger. I feel like God's great. The whole congregation looked at me and they, supposed to do something like that in church? Don't you know in church we're dignified? I always told people dignified is close to petrified, and that's a piece of wood that's been dead a long time. We, we need to serve with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now watch what he says here. Enter into his gates with. That doesn't mean to carry a turkey in. Enter into his gates with. And into his courts with. So let me ask a question. Don't anybody get upset. Let me ask a question. When you came in this morning, how did you come in? When you came in, the people that greeted you better have had a smile on their face. <laughs> but when you came in, did you come in and say, I, well, I'll tell you one thing, I've had a rough morning this morning. I like to never got here. I thought about staying home. Now, enter into his gates with, and into his courts with. I want you just to think about what would happen if you came to church next week and when you opened the door, you went, thank you, Jesus. I guarantee you, you'd have everybody's attention. But see, we're not, we, we become creatures of habit. And look, I'm talking about myself here as well, okay? So what I've discovered is you have to exercise Thanksgiving. Because if you don't, 
we're given to complain, but we forget to thank God. I want you to think about prayer. When we pray, we're usually what? Asking for something. When we pray, we're usually doing a petition. But there is also a prayer of thanksgiving. So ask yourself this question, how many times are my prayers about petitions and how many times are my prayers about thanksgiving? There have been a few times that I just come before God and I'd start to pray and I'd, I'd start, and, and I'd just stop. I'd say, God, I, I don't want to ask you for anything today. I just want to thank you. Because sometimes we forget. And we need to be creatures of thanksgiving. Everybody say, thank him. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him, and bless his name. Not curse his name, not take his name in vain, but bless his name. Do you know that when you do that, it's, it becomes contagious? We were at the stand up or stand down or jump around, whatever it was yesterday. We were all there. And, and Debbie was going up to these people and she was starting to hug them. And I think it was Natalie came up to me and said, how does she do that? What, how does she do that? Because she, she just grabbing hold of people and man, people are giving their heart to God. And, 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 but I told her, I said, Debbie's infectious. She, it was meant wonderful, honey. I didn't say you were infected. I said you were infectious. <laughs> See, I, I said that where, wherever, wherever she goes, she just disarms people. And do you know why? It's because there's always a smile on her face. Because she's always talking the goodness of God. And I've been married to her for a long time. And every once in a while, she gets in this preaching mode and tells me how I need to smile more, and I need to, I, I, I need to be more approachable. You, 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 you know, because people think you're mean. I'm just a teddy bear, guys. I'm just. And so what happens is as you exercise something, you become very good at it. And she's exercised that so long, and that it's no longer an exercise for her, it's who she is. You heard me tell the story about going down the road and looking up in the rear view mirror and looking, seeing my face and I thought, good night, man. You, it, literally, I started to talk to myself, don't anybody leave this building. But every once in a while, you need to have a conversation with you because you're the person that gives you the most trouble. And I, I, I remember looking up in that mirror and saying, man, you need to get a smile on your face. And I'm driving down the road practicing. <laughs> I thought, no, that doesn't, look, that doesn't even look real, man. That just... And I'm thinking about people passing me, you know, and going, what, what's that guy doing? But you, you understand what I'm saying? Just because something doesn't come natural to us doesn't mean that we shouldn't exercise ourselves in it. So we have to learn how to carry the light of thankfulness. 
I want you, if you would, for a moment, just to cut the lights out back there. Don't just everybody hang on. Don't anybody get. Can you read my candle? Thankful. Go ahead and cut the lights out up here. I'll be thankful if it lights. Everybody say thankful. Give me a second. There's a scripture found in Peter. And that scripture says this. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You can say, Pastor, that's not much light, but it's the only light in this room. And because it's the only light in this room, then your eyes are fixed to it. If there was a way for me to completely black everything out in here, your eyes would be fixed to this light. Think about it. What did Jesus say? He said, you are the light of the world. The world, a world of darkness has its eyes fixed on you. You're a city that's on a hill and you can't be hidden. You don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Glorify your father, which is in heaven. What's he saying? He's saying, carry that torch of thankfulness. Let it be that when people see you, they walk away saying, that's one of the most happiest people I've ever seen in my life. They always have a smile on their face. They're always happy. And isn't it amazing how that God can make us happy in spite of what we're going through? Go ahead and bring the lights up. You're not going to get through life without hardship. And if you associate your joy or your happiness with your circumstance and you're making a monumental error, the Bible said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I want you to listen to what Paul went through. He talks about his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11th chapter. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Five different times. That's 200 lashes minus five. 195 scars he bore on his back from a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Do you remember here several years ago that 
young man that was in Singapore and he broke the law and they caned him. And what an uproar there was over that. Paul was beaten with rods or caned three times. Once I was stoned, he was left for dead outside of city walls where they had stoned him. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a night, or I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. And I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. He, he went through all this stuff, all this, and, and his words at the end of the day are not these bunch of rascals over here. It's not that I hope God just rains fire down on them. That's not what he says. As a matter of fact, some of his last words, look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Well, he was just saying, no, no, no. He wasn't just saying that. He was living that. He got arrested and thrown into a Roman cell and, 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 and people are beginning to get fearful and wanting to throw in the towel and quit. And so he writes to them and he says, I don't want you ignorant concerning my chains. He said, look, you need to understand something. Because I got arrested, I've been able to preach the gospel in places I would have never been able to preach it before. And when he ends that book, he tells him, he said, all the saints salute you. But there's a whole new set of saints that want to say hello. And they're the household of Caesar. See, everybody reads it, nobody gets it. What's Paul saying? He said, I had a revival in Caesar's house right underneath his nose. And all his kids want to say, praise God to you. <laughs> Caesar's household. He, he, had, he had penetrated places he'd never been before. Have you ever had a situation that was bad that ended up working out for good? <laughs> it's amazing how he does that. You ever have something happen to you and because it happened and it seemed like it was bad and then all of a sudden you find yourself thrown into a situation where you get to share the word of God with someone that's away from him and they come back to him and you would have never had that happen. It would have never. And so what God is saying is, look, you've got to walk with that light of thankfulness because you never know what part of the darkness of this world I'm going to send you into. 
That's why Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody say all circumstances. Listen to this final scripture, Colossians 2 and 6. He says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. This is in the message. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subjects and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Everybody say, I, it's time to be thankful. Come on, you got to let it spill over. you got to let it spill. How many of you have had a rough day this past week? How many of you had a rough day this past week? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. If you had a rough day, just stand there. I, I got something I want you to do in just a second. Just stand there. You had a rough day. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, I, I want you to turn around and look at somebody and say, I am so thankful for what God's done for me this week. Now, see, I didn't say to say, I'm thankful for what happened to me. I said to say, I'm thankful for what God's done for me. Because you may have had a wreck, but you're here. You could have been gone. You, you may have had some things happen, but God saw you through it, and he's going to bring you to the place he's promised you if you'll just hang on. Everybody say, hang on. Now, everybody that didn't stand, stand up. I want you to turn around and look at all those folks that are sitting down and say, my week has been wonderful. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on, don't, I'm not, we're not rubbing it in. Just look at him and say, my week's been wonderful. But I've had days like you've had. And I'm so thankful that God saw me through them. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. See, sometimes when someone's going through something and our, our day's been wonderful, we have a hard time relating to them. They, they, they're struggling, and we go, well, come on, you need to be singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity you, you ought to be happy. You ought to. But what about when you're having a bad day, and somebody comes up to you and says, well, zippity-doo-dahs, and you say, get out of my face. I'm saying carry that torch because your children are watching you. And if they find out that every time something comes along, you give up your faith and you're ready to quit, guess what? They're going to think there's nothing to this. But if your kids can see you stand up and say hallelujah anyhow, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what they do as for me and my house. We're going to serve God. You're not going to get through life without some trouble. So just hang on and carry the torch. Everybody say, carry it. I'm almost done. Everybody say, praise God. Mary lives, Mary lived in France. She was three years old. Mary got the bronze medal, was rewarded the bronze medal for a courageous act. Three years old. And what she did is her little two-year-old friend fell into the municipal swimming pool. 
drowning. And little Mary at three reached down, grabbed him by the hair, and pulled him up and held his head out of the water while she screamed for help. And she didn't let go until help came and got that little boy to safety. Thankful. Everybody say, that little boy was thankful. No, he wasn't. Matter of fact, when they interviewed Mary, they asked her about the incident and her friend, and she said, he doesn't like me anymore because he said I pulled his hair and it hurt. <laughs> True story. How many of you have had your hair pulled before? I, I'm, here's what I want to communicate to you, and I hope you get this. It's that sometimes in life it's necessary for God to get a handful of hair. Richard, say amen. He's got, to, he's got to get a hold of us to rescue us. So we may find ourselves in a very uncomfortable situation. We might even find ourselves hurting. But if you look around, you're going to see that the hand of God is there. And he's apprehended you even though you may be hurting. He's making sure you don't go under, that it doesn't destroy you, that it doesn't take away from you. He's going to see you over the top. It's time to give him thanks. Unfortunately, the light of thankfulness has been extinguished for many of us. Just out of habit, I'm gonna, you don't have to raise your hand on this. I just want to ask you a question. How many of you found yourself in a habit of complaining instead of thanking? Thank you for so much honesty. You, you found yourself where you couldn't see the light of thankfulness because you allowed your circumstance to smother it. It's a true story. I don't know how many of you know the history of a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth was a minister that God used in an extraordinary fashion of healing, but he was really unorthodox. I mean, you, if you told him, you had a stomach ache, he'd slug you in the stomach and say, Lord, heal him. And I mean, he did that to a guy that had cancer, and the doctor said you killed him, but 10 minutes later, the guy jumped off, off the bed healed. <laughs> and so he had an extraordinary... Mister. what a lot of people don't know about Wigglesworth is that he suffered himself. He had gallstones. And he would be in a meeting praying for people, and people were being healed instantly. And after the meeting, he would go and he would lay in the floor and hold himself, and he'd be passing blood. And he kept believing and trusting God to heal him. And they told him, they said, you'll, you'll die with those. And he said, no, I'll, I'll live with them. 
Till one day he came out, and when he came out, he came out with all those gallstones in a jar holding them. He had a daughter that was deaf. And out of all the times he'd ever prayed for her, she was never healed. But it didn't stop him from praying. What I want you to understand is this, is that when you accept Christ, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you've got a smooth road and you'll never be faced with anything. What it means is that you find access to the one that can give you a peace that passes all understanding. You, you find the reality of a God that's there in the mountaintops and in the valleys. You, you, you experience a God that is able to keep you no matter what you're facing. And he continued to carry that light with him until his dying day. He died at 82 years old. You know how he passed? He was, in the fu he, he was at the funeral of a friend and someone was talking to him and he just made a statement and he just put his head down and closed his eyes and went on to glory. Amazing, isn't it? That a guy that God used like that struggled with so many things in his life. He, pain and even in his own family, he, I mean, dead people got up, were brought back to life under his ministry, and his own daughter doesn't get healed. You see, what we do with situations like that is we mull them over in our mind, and we question it, and we get aggravated over it and agitated about it, and then we take it to God and say, God, this isn't right. That's not really serving him with gladness, is it? What God is looking for is for us, and no matter the circumstance we're in, to be thankful. Would you stand with me today? Everybody say thankful. The greatest gift we're ever going to give our children is for them to see us live a life with an attitude of gratitude. Several years ago, I remember I was at a funeral and Debbie's dad, my father-in-law, was standing by the casket of his son and just within a short space of time, I think, what was it, babe? Maybe th three years. Within three years' time, he had lost a daughter in a car wreck on her way to deliver a child and he was driving the car the daughter his daughter was killed the baby was killed his wife's ribs were broken she was bruised his neck had been broken and they had him in a collar just shortly after that his mother passed away then after that, all this happened within three years' time. After that, his son is murdered. And he's standing at the casket, his son's casket, and 
he had a smile on his face greeting people. And I remember I was there and I remember someone walking up to him and saying, how can you have a smile after all you've been through? And he didn't miss a beat. He looked at me and said, I know Jesus still loves me. I know he still loves me. See, sometimes we make the horrible mistake of equating God's love to our circumstance. And that's not, not only is that wrong, that's not even fair. What do you mean? It's not fair. How could he let me go through this? Get a look at Calvary. Look what he went through for us. Don't ever question whether he loves you. He proved it. He stretched out his arms and died. He said, let this cup pass from me. But if it can't, if this is the only way I can reach them, then not my will, but thy will be done. He gave the ultimate sacrifice because he loved you. You. But I, I haven't really been doing right. He loved you. And so he passes a torch to us. And he tells us, this is how people are going to know you're my disciples. That you have love one toward another. Well, I loved them until they did me wrong. That's not what he said. I loved them until they... Look, it's not hard to love somebody if they're taking you out to dinner and paying the bill. But if somebody takes you out to dinner and you get stuck with a bill, it's a little harder, huh? What I'm saying is this, let's keep it in perspective. Let's remember that when you look around, you take inventory. We all have so much to be thankful for. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to give you an assignment today. I want you, I'm asking you at your Thanksgiving dinner, and baby, you make sure that we do this. Make sure my tie's not too long. <laughs> I want you to, before you cut the turkey, I just want you to ask every family member. We're going to go around the table, and I just want you to name one thing, just one thing that you're thankful for this year. You might be surprised at some of the answers you get. You might be surprised how deep some of your children's thoughts go. You might be surprised at what you come up with. But one thing for sure is you will have carried the torch of thankfulness into that celebration. Amen. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me as we pray for you? Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us today. 
I ask you, God, to remind us how much we have to be thankful for. God, I'm thankful to you for our church family. Thank you for relationships that you've given Debbie and I over the last six years that we would have never known had it not been for your hand. Thankful for your showing up and, and being with us and navigating every storm and allowing us to bask in the sunshine of your presence. Thankful for every family that's here. And pray, Lord, you smile on them. And if there are members that are lost, and I just thank you for bringing them home. Thank you. Because you've been so good to us. We honor you today. And we bless you. In Jesus' name. Sing it with them right now. Christ was take time to stop by the table at Angel Tree and you can make a child thankful this Christmas I pray that you join us at the Life Center we're having a Thanksgiving banquet today and come on over and be a part of that matter of fact we're going to pray for the food now so when you get over there you can eat okay so you can tell them pastors already prayed and you know I, 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 before you leave, I, I want you just to take a little bit of time and shake the hands of those people that are around you and let them know how thankful you are for their friendship and their presence. So let's pray for the banquet. Father, we're thankful to be able to gather together again this year. We ask your blessing over the food. We honor you. Give us a time of fellowship and Lord, a time of heartfelt thanksgiving. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Remember, you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God's going to bless you in the country and in the city. And 